Lord, we want to celebrate you. Lord, look what you've done. In one movement, you destroyed the work of the enemy. You reconciled us to you. You set a plan in place to make the world right again. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that you dwell in us to make us right with God and you come upon us to reveal your love to the world. Thank you, Lord God, that you're a powerful creator, God, and and we demonstrate your power, Lord God, your powerful love. We, We don't go just with a message that's just words, but there's a demonstration of your spirit and power as we go and the world can see that you are God who backs his word with action. My Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. We do indeed make room for you. Come and fill our hearts. Come and fill our minds. Come and fill our bodies, Lord God. Make a difference. Make us new, Lord God. Father God, we want to ask that every interaction that we have with the people around us would be filled with the revelation of Christ. It would be filled with the demonstration of your love and your goodness by the power of the Spirit upon us, Lord. Give us wisdom beyond our years and experience. Give us capacity and ability beyond our character and maturity, Lord God. Give us what we need to demonstrate to the world that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're powerful, and that you love them. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen, amen. But worship team, you're going to carry on just like that because I'm going to prophesy for a little bit. So while we were, well, when I first arrived here, I felt like, God, you may be seated. Hello, I'm Carol Gosman. I send greetings from the great city metropolis of Johannesburg where we have no mountains and no sea, but we have fantastic people. While I was um, sitting here at the beginning of the service, I felt God speak to me about this church. And he gave me Psalm 45. It's an unusual psalm. It's about Jesus and his power and his majesty, Jesus the King. But it's also about how his maidservants around him just adore him and just magnify him. And in there, it's got a, a particular verse that just talks about how My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And you can go and read the psalm. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you, but you can go and read it and study it up because I feel like like God's speaking to this church, that psalm. And a number of things from that psalm, I feel like him saying, first of all, Pierre, especially you under your leadership, I feel like there's some significant writing coming from this church. It's the writing in the form of songs. I know you already write songs. We sing them all over the place. But I feel like it's, it's, it's more than that. It's like a, a philosophy of loving Jesus, just a, a way of presenting the gospel, a creativity of how to, how to blend creativity with truth to bring across a message in a way that a generation will hear it and I feel like God's going to anoint you and this church for that that there's going to be declarations of God's goodness in the form of writing and song that will that will fill the airways of this nation and beyond 
the second thing I, I feel like is that this church is, is destined to lift up Christ in a way that reveals His majesty and His power, His compassion and His goodness. I feel like there's a proclamation in preaching, but there's also a message that is being deposited in each and every one of your hearts. It's going to be a powerful thing into the world. And I believe that He's coming in the next uh, while to, to almost unveil the glory of Jesus to you in a way that becomes a message that you carry wherever you go. That there's an encounter with the living God that is going to be happening more and more in your small groups, within your gatherings, that is going to mark you as a people who adore Christ. And that psalm carries a significance in that it kind of documents in a very beautiful way just this love affair between Christ and His church. And I feel, I feel that intimacy and that radical passion for Christ is going to mark this church. That people are going to, to come into these doors and, and feel His presence. That it will be more than just the words they're hearing, but there will be an experience they have with His love. That they will say, I encountered Christ when I went to that church. And I feel like it's anointing you will carry as a body to reveal Christ in that way. So Lord, I want to bless this church. I want to bless its leaders, Lord God. I, Father God, I, I feel like the effectiveness of this church is, is vast already, but is going to be even greater in time to come. I feel like there's a way that this church is going to penetrate communities that have been hardened to the gospel from the wealthiest to the poorest from the most marginalized to the most empowered I feel like there's a way in which this church is going to carry a message that that will infiltrate hearts no matter where they are so Father God I just ask for great grace upon them I ask for for your empowering presence with them I ask for each individual that you would draw them closer to you that they would, they would individually experience what you want to release corporately through this body. That each and every one of them would be a carrier of what you are giving to this church. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand because he's good? Thank you, worship team. You're amazing. And if that was last minute worship, I don't know what to say. You guys are fantastic. So I have prayed a lot, but Lord Jesus, I just pray for me, that you'd help me to deliver this word well, and that, Lord God, that it would touch every heart, Lord God, that everyone would leave here changed in some way more empowered by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. So we are talking about full and filled and be having more of the Holy Spirit, one of my most favorite topics. Have you ever gone in December to buy school clothes for your children for the next year. You know, I have done it before, and my thought was I would get ahead of the rush. But I don't know what your malls are like in December, but the one I go to has 
Father Christmases on every corner. It has uh, tables outside all of the stores with little knickknacks that you can buy for Christmas. It, has, it even has a train that goes from one end of the mall to the other that toots at various times. I think it has a clown on it that kind of leans out and does tricks. I mean, it is like children's paradise. So me on a shopping mission with three young children in the mall is crazy times. You know, I, I, I feel like if I can just get in 45 minutes, get to the shoe store, get them school shoes and get out, I like I've done well. But that has never happened in the history of all the times I've tried. I mean, I, it's, it's like you, you're trying to distract them from the crowd, the clown, keep them away from those beautiful toys. You know, I usually come out there with each of them with like some candy floss and an ice cream, three new toys, and I had, didn't even get the, the shoes. I mean, it's just like navigating all the distractions is just beyond me. So now, so then I resolved, let me go after Christmas. But there are times when, when there's so much coming at us that we can lose the mission. And sometimes it's really good stuff. I mean, who doesn't want to, like, ho, ho, ho with a Father Christmas? But, you know, if I'm after shoes, it's just a distraction. When I read Acts 2, I see the Holy Spirit coming upon a group, a ragtag group of 120 people who, who have battled to stay unified, who have been questioning everything, who have had some successes and some failures, they're overwhelmed, and he takes them, this 120 ragtag group, he navigates them through a great festival where there are people from everywhere in Jerusalem, just chaos going everywhere, and he, um, he pours out his spirit on them and does the most remarkable things, distracts them from the weird doctrines that they could, could have developed from the speaking in tongues, keeps them to the straight and narrow, directs them through all the craziness that could have happened, all the religiosity that could have risen up in their hearts, all the little new religions they could have developed around this speaking in tongues moment, keeps them focused on Jesus, navigates them through the adulation they're getting from the crowds as all these people come and say, what is this? This is amazing. Keeps them focused and births the church. He did it. He got the shoes. <laughs> and, and when I watch him do this, I am just amazed. I and my husband have been leading churches for a very long time. I'm scared to tell you my age. We started when we were two. But we have been running, we have been running churches for well over 30 years. And moving people into the things of the Spirit, moving people into the power of God, moving people into their destiny and their, the mission of Christ on them. I feel like it's those, that Christmas shopping. It's just like avoiding that thing, avoiding this thing, navigating around this thing, helping them through that problem. No, 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 don't go off there. Come back here. This is what you call to. Stay focused. I was so pleased for your promotion, but remember, you're still supposed to preach Christ. You know, just keeping them focused on, on what they call to. And when I watch the Holy Spirit in Acts to do this, I realize it's, 
we can learn so much from him. We can learn how he did it and how we can, we can do this. So I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about unity and clarity. So we're going to be looking at three passages in, in Acts 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Are you? We'll say thank you, Carol. But please go and read the whole thing when you get home. But I'm going to start in verse 1. And it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Oh my gosh, I wish I'd been there. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave, he, gave them utterance. I want you to notice a, a phrase right there at the beginning. It says that they were all together in one place. There are so many different kinds of unity. We can have philosophical unity. We can have a, a unity about the vision of where we're going. And these things, are, these things are good. We can have relational unity. Oh, my gosh, have all of those things. But the Bible emphasizes this kind of unity, altogether unity. COVID taught us fantastic things. I mean, I even know how to work in front of a camera now. I mean, it took me a while. We, we know how to have Zoom meetings and not get totally bored. You know, we know how to do a lot of new things. But the one thing COVID robbed us of was this altogether unity. Because it made being together dangerous. And I feel like it was one of the strategies of the enemy because there's something so powerful about altogether unity. I mean, we must have all those kind of unities, but there's something so powerful of, about being together. There's a corporate anointing. There's a, there's a grace that comes when we're together that you just don't get sitting in your pajamas watching church at 2 o'clock in the afternoon only having breakfast then. I know. I was there. There's something about being together. When Solomon built his temple and the whole of Israel was gathered and they were dedicating the temple, God came down in power and filled that temple. One of the reasons is because they were all together. His people were together. It, it draws to some degree the presence of God in spectacular ways. Here we see in Acts 2 how this all-togetherness created a moment where God could do something. Acts 4, he did it again. The book of Revelation, every tribe and tongue gathered around that throne, exalting Jesus, releases the glory and the power of God into the earth. You see, there's a demonstration of what God has done in our hearts that happens when we're all together. And there's some things that will never be done in your life or in the life of the church unless you're all together. So I know, those runs, those Sunday morning runs, those Sunday morning cycles, those Sunday morning hikes, am I speaking to the right crowd? You're all trying to look blank and like you're trying to just push the guilt away. But you know what I'm talking about? I mean, to choose God and to choose his kingdom means saying no to some things. 
And altogether unity is something so precious that it must be guarded. And we must allow the Holy Spirit to push away some very good things that end up distracting us from the ultimate good thing. Now, I know I'm speaking to the choir because you're all here. (laughs) But you all have friends who are not here. And I I want to empower you with a message to go to your neighbors, your friends, and say there's something important about being together. If we want the power of God demonstrated in our midst, if we want to grow together in one direction, allowing God to move us into something powerful and and changing of of the environment, we must be together. We must hear the word together. We must be together. We must be empowered together. We must experience God together. We must develop our memories together. We must walk together. We must have a common history. We must be together. Amen. You weren't expecting this in the message, were you? But you got it anyway. So there's, there's something about this altogether unity that is so important. The Spirit came down in power. I mean, imagine it. Tongues of fire. Um, just everyone speaking in tongues. The first time ever. They, you know, it must have been, they must have been just as freaked out as the people who heard it. And you see, in that moment when, as I said earlier, the possibility of doctrinal error was huge. I mean, they could have made up a hundred different reasons for this. They could have, they could have, you know, they could have started the church of the fiery flame. (laughs) There are a few of those. I mean, I've traveled around, I've seen them. But Holy Spirit came and and used Peter as the leader to stand up and bring clarity in that moment and help them navigate this, understand it, move towards what God actually wanted them in such a powerful way. So he brought clutter-clearing clarity. And I hope that helps you to remember. Clutter-clearing clarity. Turn to your neighbor and say, clutter-clearing clarity. Gosh, I hate it when preachers do that, but I did it anyway. <laughs> my husband, my husband is famous for his alliteration. I mean, he, can, he has done announcements from start to finish with every word beginning with A. I know, it's mind-blowing. But anyway, so every now and then in my sermons, I put a little bit of alliteration just to keep my husband in love with me. <laughs> so if you see him, tell him I did it, please. Clutter-clearing clarity. You see, he was able to push aside all the things and keep them focused on what God was actually up to. So reading from verse 14, Peter stands up. It says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he goes on to read the prophecy and he goes on to read some other prophecies from the Old Testament about this 
This is what you've been waiting for. And the first aspect of his clutter clearing clarity was he defined this is that. So he made them understand what actually they were experiencing. What he was doing, he was saying, you have aspirations. You have been believing as a people for generations for the kingdom to come, for something magnificent to happen. Well, this is that. This, this is what you're experiencing. You see, you have aspirations. You have desires. You have things that you want to accomplish in your life. And if you don't, you should have. But really, the outpouring of the Spirit is that very thing that allows you to get to those. Those dreams that you have in your heart, this is that. That business you want to run, let me tell you, without the power of the Spirit, you're never getting there. It's just a dream. Well, certainly in the way that will will have eternal value. That degree you want to pass, those children you want to raise, this is that, my friends. The power of the Spirit coming to rest on His church is what enables us to actually reach the true desires of our hearts. It's what enables us to actually be effective in society to bring the will and way of God. It's what enables us to accomplish things that have eternal value. That at the end of our lives, we will be able to stand up and say, Look what's happened. I'm delighted by where my life is. I have no regrets. I lived well. And the power of the Spirit resting on us is what draws that out, leads us to that, and enables that to happen in our life. Peter defined that for them. Stop looking in the other places. This is where it's found. Moving on to verse 22, he continues and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Jumping to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Yes. Yes. You see what Peter did? He stood up and he declared the gospel. He said it plain and simple. Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. He is Lord of all. He has has fulfilled the aspirations of Israel. He has made a way for you to be reconciled. He has done it through his crucifixion and resurrection. My friends, my greatest desire for you is that as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that the truth of what Jesus has done would become crystal clear. As Pierre said, I do have a master's, but I want to tell you, and maybe one day I'll have a PhD, I'm thinking about it, I'm just not sure, but there is no amount of learning, there is no amount of human accomplishment that will ever compare with the beauty 
of what Christ has done. And my friends, it is the defining factor of every life. Jesus Christ won in everything. Therefore, there is nothing impossible. This is the good news, that Jesus Christ defeated sin and death. Jesus Christ bridged the gap between you and God. Jesus Christ made a way for you to once again be fully human. Jesus Christ made a way for the world to be set right. This is the good news. And my friends, we cannot, we cannot allow anything else to define us. When you run your business, nothing else can define your business but this. If the, if the objective of your business is anything less, less than Jesus Christ being known on earth, then your business is less than it could be. If the function or the, the aim of you raising your children is anything less than Jesus Christ being known on this earth, then your family is less than it could be. And I don't mean that the only business you can ever run is one that like, does Christian radio or makes Christian songs. I mean, I want you to go out and make the world right and, and have ba run banks and, I don't know, do all, have engineering businesses. But there must be at the foundation of what you do the revelation that I'm doing this because Jesus won in everything and he wants the world right and my business is doing that. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, King of all, King of all, King of all. Moving on to verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he will witness and continue to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You see, what he did is he defined the culture to them. He said, okay, you've been cut to the heart, but now I want to show you what that means for you on a daily basis. And he didn't start where you, you think he should have started. He basically said, repent. What does that mean? It means you're on the N1 and you're going really fast, but you're trying to get to Durban. And you suddenly realize you're not getting where you're supposed to go. So you drive faster. You clean your windshield. You put on extra, I don't know, modifications to your car so you can just get more out of it. I don't care what you do to spruce up that car. If you're on the wrong road, you're not getting where you're supposed to go. Rather be on a donkey cart on the right road than a Mercedes on the wrong road. You see, this is what repentance means. You're on the wrong road. Get onto the right road. Turn around. Get 
might get in the way, think differently and make changes in your life that put you on the road towards the destination that God has for you. My friends, if you are not embedding repentance, a lifestyle of repentance in your heart, then you're not building discipleship culture. You're not building, building Holy Spirit or kingdom culture because that's, that's a foundational element of being Christ's. It's the humility to be constantly adjudge, adjusting the direction of your life in light of God's word. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin, making a public declaration to the world of an inward commitment through baptism. It's a part and parcel of being Christian. Is we do that because it, it's more than just an act. It's a prophetic experience whereby something spiritual happens in response to your obedience. And Pierre will tell you so much more about it in time to come. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My friends, my friends, I said this earlier, but God is a powerful God. He backs his love with action. And we as a church are meant to demonstrate Christ's love to the world, but that demonstration is meant to come with a, a power that gets things done. At the conference we were at recently, um, we had prayed for people with intestinal problems. We prayed for many different things, but a gentleman came up afterwards, and he, he, he was in tears, and he said, you know, I've had this pain in my side, in my, in my digestive system for so long, and when we prayed, it all went for the first time in so many years. I'm pain-free, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said this to me, now I know Jesus loves me. You see, we're not just doing this stuff to be famous. We're not just wanting to carry the gifts of the Spirit to somehow look fantastic to our neighbors. We're doing it because God has won in everything and he wants the people around to be free. And last of all, it says 3,000 were added to the church today, that day. Notice it didn't say 3,000 were born again. Clearly they were. But that was not the emphasis, emphasis that Peter was making, or this, this, sorry, Peter didn't write that, but that the scripture was saying. He's saying that, that they needed to be added to the church. You see, the proof of, of um, your salvation is the community that you align yourself with. And so, to be born again and running out there all by yourself, I guarantee you your life will not count for what it could count for if you were, if you were added to the body, grafted in. And the last portion of this chapter goes like this. I absolutely love this part because the picture it paints is so beautiful. As I read it, would you just imagine being a part of these people? It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. They devoted themselves. That means they said no to a whole lot of things just to do this thing. They devoted themselves to hearing the word together. They devoted themselves to having fun together, building memories together, eating together, being together. Can you see how it comes right back to that community, that unity, that being together that calls down the blessings of God and releases a witness of what Christ has done to the world? The fact that your best friend is someone who is so different to you, the people you love and spend time with are so different to you, speaks to the world of a Christ who has is, who is severed the gap, or has bridged the gap, not only between him and God, between people groups, between individuals. It's a corporate witness of the enormous witness, of the enormous victory, should I say, of Christ Jesus. They devoted themselves to the, the basic disciplines of Christianity, prayer, the word. That means they were saying no to things in order to do those things. And the final result of all of this is day by day, people were being added. Can you imagine that? Church, is that not just like the best thing? That means daily, someone new was like joining a connect group or um, asking you about the gospel or just wanting to hear something and was just coming alongside of you, asking to come to church with you. I mean, daily that was happening. Because the people looked at this unusual people and said, what they carry, I want. See, I said it near the beginning that, that Peter defined their aspirations for them. Because you see, every human being on the earth was born for the kingdom of God. And when they see the kingdom of God in operation, they cannot do anything but desire it. As a famous preacher once said that everyone wants a king like Jesus. They just don't know it. And the Jesus that they've been presented with just hasn't looked like the real Jesus. And if they could just see the real thing, they would come running. Because everyone was born for the kingdom. All our aspirations find their fulfillment in Christ. All our dreams and desires find their fulfillment in Christ. So I want us to end with two things. First of all, in light of what we as a nation and as a world have been through with this pandemic, I, I want you to take one moment to think of someone who during this time has either strayed or hasn't reconnected with the church, who's been far away. And I want you to make a commitment to reach out to them this week. To call them back into fellowship. To call them back into unity. And then I want to, I want to invite us to experience the power of the Spirit 
to be changed and transformed and, and the grace to walk out this kind of culture that Peter defined. So I want to pray for the spirit, more of the Spirit for you. I'm going to ask worship team if you're around, if you wouldn't mind coming back. But I want to pray for more of the Spirit for you. But I don't want to do it just so that you can, feel, you can feel good about yourself, although that's not a bad outcome, you know. But I want to do it so that we can be that corporate witness, that we can live that kind of life, that God can help you overcome um, your resistance to the next step in your discipleship journey, that you can be obedient to what God has called you and you can be faithful to the call of God on your life. I want to pray for it so that, so that you can experience the, the depth of His power moving through you. I want each and every one of you to see people healed, to see people delivered, to see people saved, to see people come to know Christ, to see people changed and transformed. I want each of you carrying the wisdom of heaven so that you can sit in board meetings and you have answers that people cannot even work out where you got them from. And this is what the power of the Spirit does. I want Him to help you navigate the clutter, to be absolutely sure of what the gospel is and absolutely sure of what it takes to bring someone to Christ. My friends, all those steps I told you about, that's what every human being needs to walk faithfully in Christ. They must see Jesus as Lord. They must repent of their sin. They must repent of their autonomy. They must submit to God's leadership, Christ's leadership. They must trust in the cross. They must, they must be baptized in water. They must receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and they must be added to the church. There's no, that, that is the universal way of the kingdom. So many Christians are out there having received Christ and made the first step. They're in the kingdom. They're saved. They're going to heaven. But heck, their life is not counting for much because they haven't taken the foundational steps necessary to have their life firm in Christ. So I'm going to pray for more of the Spirit. But my hope is that as I do that, if there is something you have not done in your foundations, that he would convict you of that. My hope is that every one of you would look at those things and say, is there something missing from my foundation? Because if there is, it will make you carry the spirit a bit wobbly. So Father, I want to pray. First of all, I'm going to ask you just right now, can you... Can you just ask the Spirit, Lord, is there someone that I need to draw into the kingdom? Is there someone that I need to speak to? Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Commitments made and not 
spoken about easily fade into nothing. So I'm going to ask you to turn to someone and just tell them who you've committed to reach out to this week. And my friends, if you don't do it, no condemnation, just get it next week, but do your best for this week. So so despite the fact that music's playing, which it's going to keep doing, just turn to your neighbor or someone close to you and say, this is who I feel like God is laying on my heart. remember that story in Exodus where Miriam got grumpy with Moses and she got leprosy and she had to go outside the camp really strange story but what was so interesting is that God would not move the Israelites forward until she was brought back I often think about that and I often think about there are some things God will not do in your church till everyone's in And there might be some people out there that God is just waiting for. He said, I'm going to come do something magnificent, but I need that person here. So let's just trust that we're led by the Spirit to get everyone in. So everyone's home. Thank you, Lord. And now I just want to pray for more of the Spirit for you. Yeah, I should have asked you this beforehand. But if I want to pray for baptism of the Holy Spirit, can I go for that? Fantastic. So if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, and what I mean by that, I'm going to start right at the beginning. How much time do I have? Not much time. We done. We done. I want to, then I'm just going to pray for more of His presence on you. If you are not baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm going to ask you to come and speak to me after the service or to go and speak to Pierre or one of the leaders here and ask them if they will pray for you for that. In addition, if you have not, if you cannot remember a time where you made a commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to come and speak to me afterwards or to come and speak to one of the leaders and ask them to pray for you for that. So can you all lift your hands? Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. Thank you, Lord. Would you come and fill us again? Lord God, would you come with your power, Lord God? Would you give us more of you? Holy Spirit, I pray right now that that each person here would experience a touch of heaven, Lord. Lord God, where they are, Lord God, let let them know that you love them. Lord God, let them be filled again, Lord God, more of your power, more of your wisdom, more of your your boldness on every life here. My friends, you'll feel something as I pray. You may just feel a peace filling you. You may feel like an energy filling you. All of that is Holy Spirit. Just allow that to happen. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Ah. 
My friends, as you're experiencing that, you can open your eyes and look at me, but I want you to not leave that feeling, that feeling of God with you. That means, that's how we go about abiding in His presence, allowing the revelation and the knowledge of Christ with us to be with us every minute. Amen and amen.